Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Derek Olson in today's message. You didn't think when I came here seven years ago, I, brought, I came to bring peace. I came not to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division. I came to bring, turn a father, a, a man against his father, a daughter against his mother. Whoa. Settle down, Pastor Derek. I thought we were going to get some like mild-mannered parting thoughts. <laughs> These aren't my words, of course. These are, those are the words of Jesus. And I appreciate that an aspect, one part of this morning is to honor myself and my family, but more importantly, I want to hear from God's word, from the Lord Jesus himself to us, just like we do every Sunday. So grab your Bibles, if you would, and open to Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. If you want to use the Bible that's underneath the seat in front of you there, uh, you can turn to page 975. Matthew chapter 10, we're going to start at verse 34. This is going to be like speed sermon, mini sermon. So you don't have to hang in there long, but you do have to hang in there. <laughs> chapter 10, or yeah, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, page 975, if you want to use the Bible, it's underneath the seat there. And while you get there, let me pray for us. Father God, um, we want to hear from you this morning. We need you to be our teacher. We say, so we thank you for your word, the Bible that you've given to us, that we might hear from you, that we might know your word. So God, by the power of your spirit, would you reveal to us what you have for us this morning? Would, it, would this morning be all about you, not about the Olson family? Would we hear from you through your word now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 and following, Jesus speaking, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are startling words. Do you feel a little startled? Even if you've studied this passage before, I think these are startling words. The sword here, Jesus saying he's come to bring a sword. This is a metaphor for inevitable division between followers of Jesus Christ and those who do not follow Jesus. Even in a family. Even amongst those dearest to us. And so what's the point of these startling words? Why would Jesus be so direct, so bold, so startling? The man of of such great teaching and of such love and of miracles and of healing. And he says, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring division, to bring a sword. The point is, is that Jesus is asking for our unqualified allegiance to him alone, that he must have ultimate supremacy in our lives, that, that while family relationships 
blood family, church family, friendships, while these relationships are good and important, we ought to work at them and we ought to be God's love to those people, that, that above those things and beyond, beyond those things that take our interests and those other things that take our time, Jesus must take precedence in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, he must be first and foremost. So why? I mean, why, why would we want Jesus to take precedence in our lives? Pretty simple answer, in my opinion. It's because the gospel, the good news, is really good news. The gospel, the, the, the message of God brought through Jesus and, and through his life, death, and resurrection really is good news. Our great God, the creator of all, almighty and above all, did not stay apart, but he came near to us. Our great God from before time began had a plan to rescue you and me and bring us into salvation and bring us to have new life now and life with him eternally. And the good, it wouldn't be good news if it didn't start with bad news. And we talk about this bad news all the time, and that's that left to our own, left to our own methods and madness, we are a disaster, stuck in sin, rebellion against God, cannot earn his love, cannot earn our way into salvation. We are more sinful than we could ever imagine, we say sometimes, Tim, as Tim Keller says. So there's, there's bad news before there's good news, that we can't save ourselves. It's that apart from Christ, we are nothing. But our great God on high, the creator of all, did not stay on high, but he came near in Christ. He sent Jesus to live, die, and be raised again. He comes near to us in his Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have entrusted yourself to him, that's how we respond to God's gift of grace. It's not something we earn. It's not something we work for. Our salvation is completely of God's grace to us. Undeserved gift to us that we receive by putting our trust in Jesus Christ. By recognizing the, his supremacy in our lives, by recognizing that we can't do it on our own, we entrust ourselves to Jesus, we become a follower of Jesus. And because of his work, not our own work, we can be made right with God. Sins forgiven, new life now, and life eternal. The good news really is good news. And Pastor Gary said it a few minutes ago, and it's on the screen now. Romans 5.8 tells us about God's great love. The, the, the ultimate demonstration of God's great love for us is that he sent his son. It says there, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not once you got your act together, not once you were a good person, not once you started going to church, not once you got certain, you got cleaned up. While you were still a rebellious disaster in need of salvation, Christ died so that you might live. The good news really is good news, and our response is to entrust ourselves to Jesus, not work for it, but to give ourselves to him. And so our passage continues. Hopefully you've still got your finger in the passage there, Matthew 10. Now we're at verse 38. 
We, we respond to God's gift of grace by entrusting ourselves to Christ. And now these couple of verses kind of describe a life of faith in Jesus. Verse 38. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. In, in the Gospel of Mark, he uses the words, whoever would save his own life. It's like whoever would preserve his own life, whoever would kind of put himself first and make things more convenient for himself will lose his life. But whoever, finds, but whoever loses their life for my sake, whoever, whoever gives their all, whoever gives themselves, whoever loses their life, for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, the good news. Those people will find life. I want to, I want to, in my own life, I never want to stop grappling with the incredible gift of grace available to us in Jesus. And I do what I do because I want you to grapple with, to come to understand more fully, to come to grips with the reality that the good news of Jesus really is good news. And it's not just good news back when you became a follower of Jesus. It's good news today. It's, it's news that we need in our life every day. It's ongoing salvation. It's transformation. It's help in our lives now and the gift of eternal life with him. And so I want this to sink in. I want the God's word that I study in my Bible, I want it to go from my head, just sort of an understanding, to, to something that transforms who I am. And that's what I want for you. I want this, the gospel, the news of Jesus, that we are a mess apart from God, but that in Christ we can be made right with the holy and perfect God. I want that to grip my life so that I live for it. So that I live every word and deed for Jesus. And that's what I want for you. Whether you're already a follower of Jesus, that's what I want for you in a new way, day in and day out. And some of you are apart from Jesus, trying to do it on your own, trying to rescue yourself, thinking that you have to match up to God's standards or earn his love or somehow work for it. You don't. What I want for you is to entrust your life to Jesus, to surrender and say, I can't do it on my own. Save me, Lord. I want you to be so gripped by the good news that really is good news that you can do nothing else but live for him. Because life is short and I don't want to live for me. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, and other places in, in the Gospels, the stories in our Bible about Jesus, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Several places, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, whoever wants to come after me, whoever wants to follow in my ways, whoever wants to do my will, must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, our words at the beginning of the passage were startling. Jesus being a little more abrupt and a little star more startling than we're used to. You want to talk about startling? Here's a startling metaphor, a startling call to follow him. Is He's using the language of the cross. The brutal instrument of death 
that hangs on the wall there as a symbol to remind us of what Jesus has done for us, he brings up the cross upon which Jesus would eventually be executed. And this is a metaphor for discipleship, is deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow Jesus. Denying ourselves means that we must die to our self-will and what we would prefer and what would work good for us and where we want to go with our things. We die to that. We put aside what, what making our lives all about ourselves. And the ultimate example of this is Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane in the hours before facing execution on the cross. Jesus says to the Father, it's on the screen, Father, remove this cup from me. In other words, hey, this is great that you want to rescue every people, everybody from sin and death, but is there some other way to do it? This doesn't sound like a bunch of fun. Remove this cup. I'm all for your love being shown to people. I'm all for this plan of rescue and salvation, but maybe there's another way around this whole bloody execution on a cross thing. So we have to deny ourselves like Jesus does because it's not about his desires. It's about the Father's desires. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross. As Jesus took on the cross, we too can embrace God's plan. As Jesus embraced God's plan for rescue, we deny our own plans and embrace his plan so that Same verse goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, yet, not as I want, but what you want. Denying his self-will and embracing, taking up the cross is a model for us of embracing God's will for our lives, not our own comfortable self-will. Deny self, take up the cross, and follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus no matter the cost. And I don't always do that. But I do what I do because I want you to follow Jesus no matter the cost. He laid down his life for us. As a gift of grace. Requiring only that we entrust ourselves to him to receive salvation. But he laid down his life for us. We can give our lives for him too. And so what does following Jesus look like? I think following Jesus looks like obeying him. And God's word is clear and it's simple stuff. We have the great commandment that reminds us that the most important thing Jesus himself said is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others as yourself. And so following Jesus looks like obedience. It looks like Asking him to help us love him more and love others more. And one of the best ways we love others is we obey the great commission in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. One of the best ways we can love those that we know that are apart from Christ, that are doomed to an eternity in hell. One of the best ways we can love God and love others is to take to them the good news to obey the Great Commission, that we are to be disciples who make disciples, who we teach to make disciples, who are going to make more disciples. That's what Paseo del Rey exists for. And that's what Paseo has been doing for many, many years. 
And by the grace of God, that's what Paseo del Rey will continue to do for years and years until Jesus returns, is make disciples who make disciples. There's the splash zone. (laughs) Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So following Jesus means obeying him, and those are the things he's called us to. And, you know, some of the comments and and, uh, encouragement and compliments that we've received in recent weeks are encouraging um, to me, to us, about following and obedience. And I appreciate that. And I know what you're saying. And I, and I appreciate that you see in us the, the desire to, by faith, by trusting God, to walk with him and to go where he leads. Uh, but this is not about us. For us, following Jesus in obedience has led to moving our family to a state we've never lived in, in a tiny rural town, and, and to a new challenge of being a lead pastor that sometimes I go, seriously? That's what, that's what following Jesus in obedience has looks, looks like for us at, in this season of life, but it's a complete God story how we got here. So clearly his direction. So clearly his work and calling us. And so as, as we look ahead with, with excitement but with some trepidation, our reassurance comes in the fact that God's call was clear. So, but for you, what about for you? What does following Jesus in obedience mean? Some of you are going to be called elsewhere, even if right now you're not sure you like that idea. And if God calls you elsewhere, I believe you will like that idea. The gospel, the good news that really is good news, will capture your heart to the point where you are mature in your faith and you're ready to do what he says to do. Even if it means move to the far reaches of the world, even if it means move out of state, even if it means move into vocational ministry, even if it means become a missionary, some of you, that's what God will do. And you will have an opportunity to follow Jesus and to respond in obedience. But there's nothing special about us that do this for a living. Each of you is a minister of the gospel of Jesus. Each of you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is to serve Jesus where he's put you. And so for many of you, it won't involve going very far. It'll be continuing to make Paseo del Rey Church your family, and it'll mean obeying his call to be a minister, to share God's love to those that God's put you in contact with, your coworkers, your fellow students, your your geographical neighbors. Those that you interact with every day. For some of you, following Jesus in obedience will mean living out your faith in word and deed, living for him right where you are now. So no matter how God leads us, no matter where he calls you, no matter where he calls me and my family, um, this verse that's going to be on the screen now is how I want to learn to live for Jesus. This verse that's going to be on the screen right now is what I want to be true of me, and it's what I want to be true of you. So let's read it together. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Father God, we are so thankful for the gospel. We are so thankful that the good news really is good news. God, God, forgive us for our rebellion against you. Forgive us for our daily, our hourly sins against you. 
But God, thank you for the cross. And thank you for sending your son and that his life, death, and resurrection brings us new life. Father God, we want to live for you. We know we don't have to earn your love. We don't have to match up to your standards. We don't have to, we don't have to do certain things to, to make you happy. God, we are thankful that we receive your gift of grace by entrusting ourselves to Jesus. And as you change us, though, as you, as, you, as you come into our lives, as you save us, as you forgive us, as you transform us, God, we don't want to live for ourselves. We want to live our lives in every way for you, and we thank you that you have helped us to do that, that we're not on our own, our own strength to do that, that God, as we desire to live for you, you have, you have, you have come to live within us. Your, the, your spirit lives within us, empowering us, transforming us, giving us new thoughts and new attitudes and new desires and helping us to be more like Jesus. God, I pray that you would teach us to walk by your spirit, to put ourselves in the hallways where the Holy Spirit is active, to put ourselves in your word by reading and studying your word where the spirit is active so that we can be empowered, increasingly empowered by your spirit to live for you. Help us to be in prayer where your spirit is active so that you can continue the good work of transforming us for, to your glory. And God, help us to serve others and, and teach the good news to so many who need it. God, we thank you that you are at work in us. We are amazed that you gave your life for us. God, help us to put ourselves aside and live our lives for you. In Jesus' name.